0: Hello, and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin, and this is my co-host, Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today, we're joined by two very special guests. This is our Valentine's Day episode, so Joey and I invited the most special people in our lives to join us to have a discussion about movies. Uh, First up, we've got my fiance, Liesl. Liesl, how's it going?
1: Great, how are you? (laughs)
0: And we've got Joey's wife, Jenny. Jenny, how are you?
2: Hi, I'm great. I'm excited.
0: And we've brought them here today because we're talking about You've Got Mail. What happened with
1: that guy at the cafe? Nothing. But you're crazy about
3: it. Yes, I am.
1: Well, why don't you run off with him? What are you waiting for?
3: I don't actually
2: know him. Really? I I only know him through the. Uh, you're not going to believe this.
1: Oh, let me guess. Through the internet? Yes. Hmm. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words.
3: This is a 90s American romantic comedy drama directed by Nora Ephron. The cast includes Forrest Gump, Sally Albright, Richard Hoover, Kitty Kowalski, Edith Bunker, The Bad Ape, Meryl Brooks, George Noodlestone, Christy from American Psycho, and Mel from Frasier.
0: I watched this movie on Amazon Prime. Joey, how did you watch it? I watched it on
3: YouTube and then I shared my purchase with my wife. Thank that's you. what I like to do. And I got it for free technically because I've been filling out Google survey questions for years now and I have like seven dollars saved up. So I'm <laughs> able to actually cash in on that after just giving away so much demographic information to old alphabet.
0: Wow, what a what a deal. Lisa, how did you watch it?
1: I also watched it on Amazon Prime with my fiance Benjamin.
0: That's right. And we also watch this movie for free because we sometimes do the Amazon delivery day where they give you a credit and those credits were applied to the rental. So, Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. What a coincidence. It's a Valentine's Day
3: miracle that we (laughs) all got to watch this movie for free. Did you watch it together then? We did. Yes okay we didn't watch it together i watched it on thursday and she watched it on friday
2: i wonder when it will be your last movie watching it as an engaged couple
0: yeah (laughs) hopefully i mean hopefully soon we're uh i mean we know exactly when that'll be but uh it seems like we've been (laughs) engaged for forever we're really excited about finally ending that chapter and being just married
1: oh yes Yes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) very exciting (laughs)
0: All right, so before we begin our analysis of this film, we will succinctly summarize the events in our special 60-second synopsis. If you'd like to skip the synopsis, just scrub ahead
3: 60 seconds right now. Kathleen Kelly has a secret. Behind the back of her technology-hating boyfriend, she has been emailing a stranger, and she is falling in love with him. Little does she know her mysterious e-pen pal is
0: Joe Fox, the heir to Fox and Son's books a giant book-based business with stores from border to border. Kathleen also owns a bookstore, The Shop Around the Corner, which has been recently threatened by a new Fox Books opening,
3: well, just around the corner. Joe and Kathleen accidentally meet in real life without realizing they are secret emailers, and they do not get along. Kathleen sees Joe as a corporate stooge, while Joe sees Kathleen as naive and uppity. Joe arranges to meet his hidden
0: messenger, but when he sees Kathleen, he realizes the truth. He pretends not to know and
3: instead teases her. Their businesses go to war with protests, articles, and news interviews, but it doesn't make a lick of difference. After the new year, the shop around the corner closes its doors for good. Time passes, and both Joe and Kathleen break up with their partners.
0: They continue to email each other, but only Joe knows who's on the other end. (laughs)
3: on the internet no one knows you're a dog (laughs) no one knows you're brinkley joe comes to visit kathleen while she is sick and they start spending time together eventually kathleen arranges another meetup with her covert correspondent and when joe finally reveals himself they embrace and kiss for the first time the end they have it the events
0: of you've got mail succinctly summarized We'll begin our conversation by going over our pros and cons. We'll start with you, Liesl. What did you like about You've Got Mail?
1: It had really good acting. Obviously, Tom Hanks is an incredible actor. And I've never seen Meg Ryan in anything, but I was very impressed. Um, it was an interesting plot, kind of predictable, but I still liked it. Um, it was funny and heartwarming. Um, and the fashion was great. It was fun to see <laughs> all of the outfits throughout the whole movie. and look outside and see them this, the same exact way because fashion is coming back in cycles and it was fun to see um, kind of where the original 90s fashion trend was at during this time.
3: Book core, they might call it.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> 90s book core.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we'll pass it over to Jenny. Jenny, what did you like about this film?
2: My mom has been trying to get me to watch this film my whole life, but I never have. It's one of her favorites. Um. It was so beautiful. It made me miss all of the simpler times, meaning no R slash dating forums or Facebook <laughs> groups were being referenced within the plot. <laughs> there was no podcast. Am I allowed to say that?
3: <laughs> no, you're not allowed to say that I will edit it out, yeah.
2: Oops. Okay. Scratch that. Um but realistically If this movie had taken place in a time like today, there would be a group chat discussion that said such like, it's been 20 minutes and he's not here. Should I leave? (laughs) And she just had to kind of figure it out on her own, which is more entertaining for us. Um, It just felt like the connections were more natural in those days and more focused on the human connection and how someone makes you feel in everyday life versus online. I enjoyed that. The idea that love can kind of surpass things like status or a difference in opinion or backgrounds is a pretty simple concept, but it was done in such a creative way. I loved it.
0: Fantastic.
3: Uh, we'll go over to Joey now. Joey, what are your pros for You've Got Mail? Uh, You've Got Mail for me was a feel-good movie without transience that stands the test of time. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are just brilliant. Meg Ryan is just perfectly cast and brings a ton of emotion and humor to the screen. Hanks is an amazing actor, just like Liesl said, and we see a full range on display, a lot of emotion, a lot of humor from him, which I thought was great. Uh, The story is really cute and fun, but it's also really pointed and purposeful. It feels like it's using contemporary trends to tell a timeless story. And I really liked how the camera emphasizes a lot of emotion in a delicate and respectful way. I just found the whole thing so moving or multiple points where I was crying, um, which makes this movie great. So (laughs) what about you, Benjamin? I agree with a lot of the
0: things that the three of you have said. This movie is really cute. It's funny. I love the soundtrack. We had uh, like so many hits where you're like, yes, I love this song. I'm so glad it's in this movie. Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are very shippable. I wanted them (laughs) to be together. Even when there are things about them where I was like, nah, they shouldn't be together, but I want them to. Which I think (laughs) it's it's just you got two heavy hitters in the rom-com category and seeing them on screen together they are just so magnetic. I loved the scenes where they would go back and forth quipping at each other. Just incredible. It's interesting to look back at how the internet started to impact dating at the very beginning, how this movie has almost this like the internet is actually going to cut through all the nonsense of real life. oh, yeah, definitely. and it's so different. email. Have you heard about this thing called
3: email? it's it's, it's changed the world.
0: <laughs> it's so naive and and also just I don't know interesting to look back on because of how much cynicism there is around online dating now it's it's like wow this movie really is like fairy tale land uh but of course it was because you know it was just beginning that's just what people were kind of guessing it would be and also i i appreciate this these themes in the film about choosing the life you want to live instead of doing what you quote unquote should be doing or maybe what comes more automatic or naturally kind of finding the things that Bring meaning to your life and choosing to chase those things. So I thought that was that was really powerful. So those are our pros. Let's move on to the cons. And we'll start with Jenny. Jenny, what did you not like about You've Got Mail?
2: Yeah, there were a couple things that kind of took me out of it. I find, first of all, that it's very unrealistic in 99% of situations that the man is going to figure out a secret before a woman. <laughs> um, I hate to busts a valentine's romantic feeling but i i just wasn't buying it <laughs> when when we got to the part where gosh where was it joey when when oh when she's sick with the cold yes. and he's sitting there dropping those mysterious hints yeah. i was like this would never happen <laughs> gosh
3: her brain no. was feeling fuzzy she wasn't in you know the right mind that's
2: true that is probably how they wrap that up <laughs> But but I was I was not buying it and in in a hundred percent of the situations. It's not gonna be that way. It's gonna be reverse. But that took me out of it. And then also along the same lines of things I'm not buying, I felt like it was really painting email in a much brighter light than the reality. <laughs> <laughs> Can you as I was like typing this and, and thinking up what I was going to say about this podcast, I've gotten about like seven spam emails <laughs> been on a million chain letters. Where's the where's the um, time that she pulls up her email and it's a chain letter from her grandpa, <laughs> something like
3: if you don't forward this on to 10 people, you're going to
0: die yes, tomorrow. Yes. Right, yeah, yes. right. Bad
2: luck forever. <laughs> yeah
0: that's right yeah no i think that's that's a good point it's another one of those things where it's like dang the times really have changed our perspective of this technology frank was right Um, well let's uh, switch it over to lisa lisa what did you not like about this film
1: i feel like it wasn't necessarily self-aware i feel like they were we thought that there was something they were trying to say but i don't think that they committed and didn't want to actually say what they were trying to say um and I like I'm kind of not sure if I agree with this anymore I at first thought that everything didn't hold up well and now I can kind of see that okay some of it is timeless but maybe it's just rom-coms in general being a little too close to the line of like really cheesy and cringy for me (laughs) um but those are kind of the main cons for me
0: all right, we'll pass it over to Joey. Joey, what did you not like about this film?
3: I'm uh, not a fan of how Joe Fox handles the I know, but she doesn't know thing. Um, I feel like, a lo- like a lot of romantic comedies, you could twist the events of this story to be very sinister. Uh, for example, it isn't enough to derail this poor woman's life. He also wants her body. Um, I-, I think that ultimately that's kind of a bad, ba- really a bad faith reading of the movie. And I ultimately think it's not supported by the text. Um but I think that you can easily make that kind of a uh, twist if you wanted to which I think is a detriment to the so- the solidness of the plot. Um what's with the whole horny stepmother thing where like his dad's girlfriend is like constantly hitting on him? That doesn't really seem to go anywhere. Seems really weird and out of place. Not sure what that's about. <laughs> Um, and then Tom Hanks' little shrug at the end when he finally reveals that, like, oh, I'm Brinkley's dad, you know, that really bothered me. I freaking hated that so much. It's like, what, what did you expect me to do? Oh, I've been lying to you forever. Oh, I don't know. I just uh, did not like that Casual. Yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> All right. And my cons, the big name product placement in this movie where they're kind of emphasizing this this idea of like the big business crushing the little guy doesn't oh, sit right yeah. with me. There's too much Starbucks, too much Yikes. AOL. I didn't I didn't need to have these big businesses marketed to me in this movie where they're like, doesn't it suck that big businesses ruin everything? The true irony there being that AOL has since been bought and sold an infinite amount of times by bigger fish in 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 the uh, you know, ecosystem of online uh communication corporations so uh i guess they got what they deserve but that to me just felt like a contradiction also the fact that this movie points out that big business is sucking the soul out of our society but stops short of suggesting like a a solution to that necessarily uh to that process happening and and it even of makes the argument that resistance is futile uh, it, i mean it's i agree with your uh, this idea that maybe you can um, like love is the answer or whatever but it's like yeah well how long until all that's left is one giant corporation that controls a society or is, is love going to be enough at that point i don't know <laughs> so those are our pros and our cons let's move on to our overall section and we'll pass it over to you first liesel Um, Where do you want to get us started?
1: Um, I guess I'll just piggyback off of your uh, most recent con there. Um, I did not love how they tried to convey that Fox and Sons, like, super bookstore was bad, like, without actually condemning them. Like, it felt, um, like I kind of said in my cons, too, like, the movie didn't actually believe it was bad. They just, like, felt bad for Kathleen. And they were like, well, we'll just give her this hunky guy and it'll be fine. And everybody can ignore the fact that his company literally ran her to the ground and made her fire all of her employees and close her doors after like multiple decades. Um, so that was really frustrating. <laughs> and like yeah, Benjamin said, yeah. like Starbucks being shown and like talked about so many times, like how, how is Kathleen actually... A big comp- proponent of small businesses. If she's going and getting her coffee at Starbucks every morning, uh, totally. so that was yeah, that was just a little confusing. I I still am not sure whose side Kathleen is on. Like, if she actually even wanted to be a small business owner, um, it didn't seem to me like when she was in the being interviewed and was trying to fight for her bookstore and like asked her boyfriend at the time, Frank, to like write about fox super's doors and the shop around the corner it didn't seem like she actually wanted to and she didn't like her heart didn't seem to be in it so i was really confused as to why she even did that and then when it was closed she almost seemed relieved so just that whole story like plot line had me confused um yeah so that was a little annoying didn't love that part
3: for me it's like this like the movie starts off i mean it's supposed to be a romantic comedy from the very beginning and it is but there's this huge the center stage of the movie the like the biggest plot point is this war between these two businesses right and what they're supposed to take away from each other or what they're supposed to like how they're supposed to deal with the fact that they both can't exist at the same time apparently um, and once that is kind of resolved and the shop around the corner closes then the love story sort of comes back into the forefront and replaces that with something else, right? Because the last like 20 minutes of the movie are completely different from the rest of the movie. And it's, it's, a, little, it's a little bizarre and not my, this my favorite part of it, but I did like seeing them kind of come together and falling in love. But to me, I'm taking this as a, like the whole idea of owning a business and trying to, trying to uh, you know crush your competition is this thing that is told to us as important but ultimately isn't as important as finding someone that you care about and have a connection with. And ultimately, all of these contradictions that Kathleen represents is just her attempting to, you know, keep up with the Joneses, essentially. Trying to, you know, fulfill some sort of dream that she's told she's supposed to have. And maybe, I, I don't necessarily agree that she's... um uh she she wanted to close the shop. She definitely seemed like she cared a lot about it and it was it was her mother's legacy that she was trying to keep alive um but ultimately, it's not the pursuit that um that is like the most rewarding for your own life essentially and I wouldn't say that it's good that Fox Books closed this tiny little bookstore that was no threat to them whatsoever. but I do think that the focus on business at all is shown to be a flaw in our like set of values that we hold as Americans. Yeah. But
0: I think it's interesting that the movie spends so much time building up the positive impact that the store around the corner, or the whatever it's called has on the community. We have these, really beautiful observations that Kathleen makes about what her mother set out to do with this bookstore, saying things like helping people become whoever it is that they were going to turn out to be. And it's it's shown to us that the employees at this bookstore aren't necessarily there because they're going to make the most money or that their influence is even going to turn the best revenue. It's that they actually understand the things that they're selling to these people and they don't see it necessarily as a means to an end. They see it as um, true value being, you know, given or, or transferred from them to their customers. So it just feels like the movie's building up the idea that actually the small business is the right, is the good one, and then right. we see that get crushed, and then we're like, ah, well, she's ha- she's supposed to just stop caring about that, and you know, there's this kind of conflict where it's like, is she doing this for her, or is she doing it because she? has this attachment to her mother that she's not willing to let go of yet. But I don't feel like that's strongly established that it's actually holding her back in some way. She has this kind of hesitance to commit to running the store. She's like, am I just doing this because I you know, she she sits there writing to herself, Am I doing this cause I want to or am I doing this because I just feel like it's what I should be doing. But they make a lot of cases why she's doing it because it's a good thing that she believes in.
3: Yes. Yes, but ultimately, is it, I mean, is that the right way to go about what you're trying to accomplish, right? Is is owning a store, right? I, I don't know. It's, it's not a, um, it's not necessarily purely a uh, selfish act, right? Or a, a purely, um, like, utilitarian act, right? She is not doing this simply because it's the right thing to do. There's also this pride in having a place that she Hat, like she owns and that she, the influence she puts out to the world that it makes a difference um and i think that having a small business is a great way to do that uh but ultimately it's still a business you know and there's still this extraction of value uh from people in your community uh that you're that you are supposedly supporting
0: so i don't know so when joe fox balks at a 72 dollar book purchase despite the fact that he's like a millionaire Are we supposed to take that as a legitimate criticism from the film towards the high prices that they're charging at this small business? Is the, like, they're in, because the other thing, too, is he's like, this is, this book is, uh, costs how much? And he's like, uh, no, it's worth that much right there's the, the difference in how joe fox views books as a commodity as what was it bottles of olive oil or whatever yes versus how the bookstore people view the books as something to be cherished something that brings value to the life of the people consuming it um you know joe talks about uh kind of He's like, we're going to seduce them. They're going to hate us at first, but we'll get them in the end. And we're going to do it with the, uh, like legal drugs and, uh, you know, cheaper books that just makes it seem like he's a predator and the customers are his prey versus this small bookstore where they're there as a a value add to the customer they're there to facilitate uh you know the the acquisition of good impactful books for the customer because they believe in the the power of reading
3: yeah well i i agree with you i think that is what the movie is trying to say i guess i i'm kind of with Liesel on what are we supposed to take away from that right? Is this a, um, you know, the fact that this happens is almost like you're saying uh, an inevitable part of nature, right? That some bigger fish swims through and swallows all the smaller ones, and there's really nothing we can do about it. It's just something that happens. Um, Is that what we're supposed to, like, believe here? Or is it something more um, sinister to that?
0: Well, it's it's interesting. I watched this video from Wisecrack where they, they called it the accidental fascism of you've got mail and they have like <laughs> oh. Tom Hanks like Photoshop to look like Hitler. But he it, it's um it's funny and it's like you said before, it's a little bit disingenuous. It's like an intentional misreading of what happens in this movie. But <laughs> um there's things in this movie that support that. Um, and basically, they say that this movie is a retelling of 1984. And uh, the the like big brother, Tom Hanks' big brother in this. It's a great <laughs> video, and I'll link to it in the description. And if you've seen You've Got Mail, you should definitely watch this, because it's, it's hilarious the way that they reframe everything. But what really drives it home is the story that Birdie tells, where she talks about how she fell in love with this fascist dictator way back and Secret. secretly. Yeah. Yeah. Secretly. And, um, and I felt like that was so random it doesn't really... I mean, it kind of relates to this movie as a rom-com and there being love and stuff. But in that moment... The I,
3: secret admirers of pen pals and things, yeah.
0: Right, right. But And again, maybe this is just going with like the unlikely lovers thing. Right. But I thought it was really interesting that uh, the, Tom Hanks basically oppresses Kathleen. And I say Tom Hanks, it's actually Joe Fox. To oppresses Kathleen in this film. And then that's not enough for him to just have total domination over her he also has to make her love him uh in by, by manipulating her which is just like big brother he even like kind of get, like gets her to leave her uh like current partner and go uh, go to be with him just like in 1984 where he has to uh, you know betray his lover to like then end up loving big brother it's a really interesting theory and i felt like the inclusion of this fascist and falling in love with fascists uh was really an interesting inclusion
3: (laughs) i don't have anything to say to that i think that's that's just oh gosh um I mean, there is a certain fascism to technology for sure, and, and like the the oppressive nature of large businesses. Uh, but there's like also this deep irony to this, which is the fact that giant bookstores like Fox Books are also threatened by even bigger fish that exist on the internet, like Amazon, who famously started off selling books. Yep. So there's like this there's this really great cyclical thing to, that's going on here. That's I think largely unintentional but i think the focus on the love story at the end again like brings home this idea that as much as things change there's still things that remain the same
0: it is honestly hilarious that this is about books specifically because (laughs) that's got to be the easiest in like the industry to be like that the internet destroyed that like uh but like brick and mortar bookstores for sure uh, so that I think is, is very funny, but okay. I'll try to, I'll, I've brought us pretty far away. I'll try to pull us back, um, by passing it back to Liesel. Uh, Liesl, what, what else have you got?
1: I feel like we should talk more about the relationships now. Um, since we've talked a lot about the business aspect of the movie. Um, so I liked, obviously I liked Kathleen and, um, Joe's relationship via email after they were like done with their partners but i did not love that they were basically cheating on their partners at the beginning so much that kathleen even had to ask her friend at the bookstore if like talking to somebody on the internet was infidelity (laughs) like with (laughs) with those words um so obviously if you're thinking it like it probably is wrong uh, so that was kind of weird and also just a lot of the other relationships in this movie were weird. Obviously, we just mentioned Bertie and the fascist dictator guy, but also Joe's dad and that woman that was gonna be his stepmother number five or whatever, and his aunt being like eight years old, and his granddad oh, yes. having yes. a thing. What was up with that? It was the whole thing seemed random and and Like Joey said at the beginning, it didn't make sense that the stepmom would flirt with Joe and then they just broke up and like, that was it. We didn't hear from her for the rest of the movie.
3: Nanny, what's her name? Yeah. Right.
1: Um, Also, it just, as an aside, it cracked me up when the nanny was like, yeah, just don't marry a liar. (laughs) And then started laughing. And I was like, that is, that makes me feel so awkward. Um, (laughs) But... But yeah, after after Kathleen and Frank ended their relationship, I felt better about Kathleen, like pursuing things with her online guy. But even while she was with Frank, none of her friends seemed to care about Frank. Um, they were all like, oh, you and your lover on the on the internet and like I hope you guys like meet up and then they were all pissed that they didn't meet up and then they were making up all of these excuses for this random internet stranger and they were still not even worried about the fact that she is still with Frank. I was like, y'all are terrible friends. Um, <laughs> yeah,
2: it never even came up. I know. Yeah, well, who's Frank? He's nobody. Well. He just right <laughs> to the observer.
1: So. But I will I will give Kathleen and Frank credit for realizing they didn't need to be together. Um, that was actually a powerful scene for me. I en- I enjoyed that whole kind of uh, scene where they were in the restaurant and kind of talked through their issues and realized that even though their relationship seemed practical and made sense on paper, it didn't. Like they didn't actually feel anything um which is kind Did of don't
3: need that many typewriters it's true
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> right um so I feel like that was a good point that the movie was trying to make as well is like just because two people might seem like they should be good together there's always that like extra aspect of a relationship which is like love and that is something you can't explain and it was something that they couldn't understand why they weren't working and that was something they realized that like hey love might be out there and Maybe that's something we are missing in our relationship, um, and they were like so adult about it. It wasn't like a horrible breakup. They were still friends after, and and everything. So that was nice to see.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really powerful, and it's one of the messages in this movie that I think is really great. This kind of re- figuring out what you want first of all, thinking about what you want, not just floating through life, and then once you f- when when you have figured that out, because it's difficult going for it you have that realization and you say i'm going to change my life to pursue this thing that i have discovered is important to me and you know going back to the weird relationship that the fox family has i think that this was kind of supposed to point out the absurdity and and how it's actually not that great to be one of these rich ceos who doesn't marry for love instead he has women who are after his money who want to be able to do all the rich things wear fur coat and you know get her eggs harvested instead of um you know finding that actual connection and his father is stuck in this spiral where he's or the cycle of constantly finding a new wife marrying her and then her eventually leaving and then finding another one, getting pregnant, someone else pregnant, uh, another yep. nanny pregnant, and going on and on. And and he realizes that that's what he's headed for if he, gr- you know, grows up to be like his father and he doesn't want that. This also, this realization that you should go for what you want, realize it, and like, you know, make moves to it is like what Liesl said this mature decision between uh, Patricia and Frank or, that are made with Patricia and Frank, uh, with Joe and, uh, Kathleen respectively Where they break up Because they Even though it makes sense To be together They're so similar And it's logical They're missing that intangible They're missing love And especially between Kathleen and Frank It's a real crime For them to to not have that Because they're both So clearly capable Of loving deeply Kathleen shows this By being engrossed In the things that Joe writes to her Via email And Frank displays this By being clearly Deeply in love With himself And uh (laughs) They were together because they should be, uh, but instead of truly being themselves and being with the person they love, so I thought that that was really honestly something I didn't expect from a rom com. Where I would expect them to be like all relationships are good and all breakups are bad. Uh, They kind of nailed it there. I think.
3: Yeah, we had to be right with the right person. That's the deal, right? The the wrong person. You're often with a different person who is definitely wrong, and uh, but this person uh the the right person is always right so especially that's when how, the right you know.
0: person seems so wrong i think that's that, that, that i really like that cuz okay. right
2: when it, no when it contrasts <laughs> it
3: yeah, opposites attract something like that mm-hmm. yeah yeah um yeah well, well a good thing we have the internet which has solved all those problems about you know not sh- not being sure about um you know, your your partner, all those algorithms have definitely figured out all the intangible aspects of love and therefore will match you with the perfect person every time.
0: They certainly (laughs) would.
2: things are easier now.
0: Yeah, well, they'd certainly love you to believe that and pay the premium monthly subscription cost to have access to the algorithm that will definitely. (laughs)
3: She'll get away unless you super like her. That's
0: right.
1: (laughs) That's funny. One of my... Favorite quotes from this movie, just because when I heard it, I laughed really hard. And then I wrote it down because I was like, I don't want to forget this. Um, George, one of the employees at the shop around, of, around the corner, um, when the girls are talking about being online and, and emailing. Um, he's like as far as i'm concerned the internet is just another way of being rejected by women and
3: (laughs) (laughs) i love that too i love so hard it it like made me
1: laugh so hard because i'm like this is a guy talking about it in the 90s and that feels like so long ago but it's exactly (laughs) true today like with all of the new (laughs) internet things as well
0: Yeah, George went on to become like a red pill uh, influencer, manosphere podcaster.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He's on the cutting edge. Uh, Pretty good. (laughs) um, You're talking about like a moment of clarity. Well, a lot of the characters have a we have a bunch of characters have a moment of clarity while they are in an elevator. Um, Jenny had a question for the group.
2: I thought it would be fun to ask around if any of you guys have ever had that kind of moment of clarity. I never have like anything so profound like an event, but I've had moments in my life where a conversation would turn into I my opinion would be changed forever. I was wondering if you guys had
3: I feel like I've had moments like that where Suddenly, everything just seems so clear. We're like, I—I I don't know if it was something, if there was a catalyst or not, but I just remember being in my room and then thinking, like, why am I so miserable? And like, what can I change? And and like, so much stuff just ha- like changing or not changing, but um, so much stuff coming into focus at once, and like being so sure that I needed to to do something, and that was um, that uh, it was it was like uh, something had kind of come over me or like this moment of fruition but then i um like uh, as i went down that path you know as i made that decision i became even more apparent that it was the right decision and it was so much harder to look back and and even to put myself in the same mindset as i was before i had made that decision so it's like a it was very um i feel like it was was a powerful thing but I, i can't remember exactly what it was that like Cause that beyond just my own like self-reflection
1: yeah i feel like that's a difficult question um i also feel like all of us are pretty uh i don't know stable people and i feel like <laughs> those who actually have uh instances in their life where they're doing like one thing going down one path and then completely change it and and turn around like 180 um, that I feel like that's just not, at least for me, who I am. Like, I obviously have done a lot of like self-reflection throughout my life and like growing and, and things like that. So like everybody's always changing and I've, I'm definitely one of those people. Um, but I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where it was like I was doing something and then I completely s- like switched around and did something different. I think it's more like what Joey was saying for me. Like maybe I have a big decision to make and I like sleep on it. And then the next morning I'm like, Oh yeah, I feel really like confident in this decision that I'm about to be making. Um, But for the most part, like decision or like big things, like um, I guess since we're specifically talking about like the elevator scene where Joe Joe is like, I actually don't want to be in this relationship. Like, I guess for me, it's the opposite. Like when I was with Benjamin for the first like year, obviously. I had a decision like we both had a decision to make like do we stay together forever or do we break up and that was something we talked about when we first started dating and so we knew that that was something we had to like decide upon uh separately and then together and so knowing that like kind of at the beginning made it so that it was a gradual process and not like a day where I was like oh yeah I'm gonna marry this man but it still did feel like there were a few instances where I did have that feeling. Um, I don't even know if I can point to them, but it also was more gradual. I feel like I've never had like a day where I just wake up and like, everything's changed. I'm a different person. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that
0: doesn't sound like you. Yeah. <laughs> well, on a very similar note, I would say that the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask a question like that it does have to do with deciding who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And there was, I don't, I don't know if there was like a specific moment where I was like, Oh, it's all like five minutes ago. I didn't think this, but now, uh, you know, I have that feeling, but it was, um, you know, sometime last spring, probably like, or maybe late winter, whatever March is. And I, Got to the point where I just, just in a moment of quiet reflection, I realized that um, I couldn't imagine my life without Liesel. Like it was something where our lives had not all at once, but slowly, like all, everything had meshed together to the point where um, I could only imagine my future as our future, and that was the moment where I decided, okay, I got to start rings chopping now. That's where I was ready to start Aww. putting those things in motion because that, it was like a moment of true clarity where there were no reservations about it. It was just a, a total um, realization. So I, I, I think that would be my example for you, Jenny.
2: That those is so sweet. so sweet.
3: <laughs>
2: I love that. That was everything I wanted and
0: more. I'm starting to tear up a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, yes, me too. i know we weren't prepared
1: for that question
2: yeah no i think it just goes to show that you guys are more stable than joe fox in the elevator that's great that's great news yeah, so the wedding's great coming news. up the bar is yeah.
3: so low <laughs> yeah
2: no that's beautiful
3: oh all right well
0: lisa you got anything else
1: um, I liked that the movie enjoyed books, <laughs> obviously.
3: Me too.
0: <laughs> that was
1: a big theme. Go books. Um, and I also had the quote written down um, where Benjamin referred to earlier. Uh, I don't. I think it was also a George quote. He said, uh, or Joe was asking, "Why does this book cost so much?" And George is like, "No, that's why it's worth so much." Um, and I, I think that that was important to. Plot as well, just to talk about how they didn't just choose books as like a medium for the comparison they were trying to make, it was also deeper than that. Like, books are actually important to these characters, and um, I I know books are important to me, like, I love reading and I've gotten into reading a lot more recently. Um, so it was cool to be like, Yeah, I'm a book person, I'd be at this bookstore. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: (laughs) But one thing they kept mentioning. Uh, Referencing Pride and Prejudice, and I've read the book. I've also seen two different versions of the movie. And (laughs) one of the first things I said after after we finished the movie to Benjamin, I was like, "You know, I can't decide if I liked the movie. You've got mail." I was I was kind of on the fence, Um, but I did. I do know that every time they referenced Pride and Prejudice, I wish I wish I had been watching that movie instead, (laughs) (laughs) because I love that movie so much. yeah, but I think that this movie has grown on me since the initial watch. Um I think seeing some of the clips back again and then rereading some of the things that I have written, I I think at first I was a little harsh um in my uh like overview, but I think that I still think it's a cute movie and it was fun and heartwarming and and sweet.
3: Well, that's I, I think that's why Christopher Nolan doesn't mention other movies in his movies like he never makes references to movies in his movies even if they are part of like the traditional story is for that exact reason Liesl. So to not tempt the, the watcher with a, another another thing that's just as good or better so um the Pride and Prejudice movie with Keira Knightley came out in 2005 so uh, this movie attempted to avoid that but ultimately failed so. <laughs> I loved that this
0: movie kind of implies, like, the, the duality of, like, humans. Like, women love Pride and Prejudice, and men love The Godfather. Godfather,
3: and yeah. These <laughs> <things> are just <laughs>
0: true. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, I, I have a question for the group. Is business personal? Is business personal? Oh, we got a yeah.
3: quote for that, don't we?
1: It wasn't personal.
2: What, what is that supposed to be? I'm so sick of that. All that means... Is that it wasn't personal to you, but it was personal to me. It's personal to a lot of people.
1: I mean, what is so wrong with being personal, anyway?
2: Uh, nothing.
1: Because whatever else anything is, it ought to begin by being personal.
2: Um,
3: I mean, this is also kind of mirrors the uh, impersonality of the email exchange, right? They purposely uh, re- don't reveal any personal details um, in order to keep their you know, keep the spice of it alive a little bit. <laughs> um, but also keep
0: the plausible deniability when he, it comes to whether or not this is kosher, considering they're both in committed relationships.
3: Exactly, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> what do you think, Jen?
2: Well, remember when there's the scene where she's sitting there in the Fox bookstore, and the employee doesn't know how to spell the book, he doesn't know who wrote the book, he yeah. doesn't know anything about the book. And she helps the lady, and and they feel so much better. And she still has that little twinkle in her eye from making that connection. And Tom Hanks is in the corner looming. <laughs> I don't know. For me, I've been a part of a place that has made business personal. That's all that I've really ever known, and I've watched it grow because of that. So, from my perspective, I always think that and also all the good business people that people who are involved in business look up to i think really do find a way to make people motivated personally don't you think joey
3: yeah i think maybe the phrase um it's not it's not personal it's just business is one of those catchphrases like um um what's it life is hard or like life is unfair. It's like, it's only perpetuated by the people that benefit from the phrase. (laughs) Right. Right. And I think that's,
0: that's what I get out of this movie is it's that the people who think that business is not personal, just have the privilege of it not being personal to them. And ultimately they are the ones who will win at business because the people who do take business personally, are going to be nice to other, other businesses, and then the businesses that have the opportunity to not be nice and destroy those businesses could have the advantage and, and could come out on top. So I don't really know what to do with that
3: information. That's it makes so me not sad. want to go into business. <laughs> yeah. I kept thinking about this the whole time.
2: I was a businessman doing business.
3: <laughs> when, when he says at the end, um, 152 indictments, I was also thinking about another famous <laughs> New Yorker
0: brings another businessman
3: <laughs> but it's um
0: yeah so uh, that's that's what i think and i think this movie kind of reinforces that that it's like well if you're willing to be personal about business um well then get ready to get crushed that's by right. the soulless entities um i somebody close to me uh recently uh, had their job just stop existing because the corporation that they work for didn't make as much money as they were supposed to over the last fiscal year and they decided that your job doesn't exist because we need to cut costs somewhere and it is the definition of it not being personal this person had just begun their new role in this section of the company and then they're like that section is actually underperforming so you're gone and it's like oh wow some some person that they don't even know made this decision and it's not reflective of anybody of any one person's Performance, it's just business. And uh, that's just the reality of the situation.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's, that is the reality of the situation. That is, I mean, you sink or swim as a business as well, right? Not just as a person. So those decisions um, are, you know, are made, are usually made by no one and accountable to no one. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, you know, I think you can make the argument that it's, you know, in a layoff situation, it's like a, um, Uh, either this whole business suffers or one person suffers it's kind of a utilitarian way out but the fact that that is that your like whole life is tied up to your job your, your health insurance your ability to eat or live in a house is all just a part of a bigger more tragic system
2: so what is it trying to say then because now i'm getting confused about what it's trying to tell us
3: I think well, I think Kathleen's answer here is beautiful. It, like what does it mean? What does that mean? It's, it's beautiful
2: busy. but her company got ran under.
3: I know. And then Jeff. Tom
2: Hanks didn't even come back and save it at the end. He... I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been so sweet if he like bought the bookstore back and sold the boat.
3: <laughs> I like this.
0: That's I, romance. Should've...
2: That
3: yeah. is romance. Sell the boat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Show me your monies. <laughs>
3: yeah i think you're i mean i think that would have been a more perfect ending but i think it's it's kind of nice in a way that it doesn't end that way because it has this kind of element of um imperfectness you know an element of reality to it that i think um makes it more interesting to think about and talk about about whether or not joe fox did the right thing whether or not he's ultimately a, a bigger jerk than he is a romantic i think that's all um interesting and if, if he came out with the perfect solution at the end then you wouldn't be able to have that conversation cuz obviously he did the right thing wow that's what i think
0: no i think i think that's right i think that's it's a little bit more Brave to to have something that's worth discussing at the end instead of just being like, and then he turned around and did the right thing. Although I was waiting for Fox and Sons to get like eaten alive by online retailing. Oh yeah, and then now they're both out of a job, and then that's when they can really focus on being in love. Whoa. And then uh, and then uh, you could change it from you've got mail to you're both unemployed. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> You've got a Facebook message. So that'll be the sequel. Yeah, when that ha- when that happens, right? You are now a delivery driver.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah.
3: Amazing. Um, okay, I, I have something written here that would I that I'd like to read. Um, it kind of reemphasizes what I've the points I've already made. Um, first of all, again, I agree with Liesl. Um This movie is about books. I like books. Uh, main character is named joe my name is joe uh one day i'd like to own a bookstore um i've uh i've sent an email once so um (laughs) i think this movie's about me is what i'm trying to say and it it feels very personal business or or un un (laughs) unbusiness. Um, I think the whole thing's really funny. I think its premise and hook are established really quickly. The dynamic between the person's real-life persona and their online one is a fascinating thing to think about. It still plays a huge role in today's world. I keep returning to one of the last lines of the movie, something Joe says in regards to he and Kathleen's circumstance.
1: You know, sometimes I wonder. What? Well, if I hadn't been Fox Books... And you hadn't been to the shop around the corner. And you and I had just met. I know. Yeah, yeah. I would have asked for your number. And I wouldn't have been able to wait 24 hours before calling you up and saying, hey, how about, oh, how about some coffee or, you know, drinks or dinner or a movie? For as long as we both shall live. Joe? And you and I would never have been at war. And the only thing we'd fight about would be which video to run on a Saturday night.
0: Well, who fights about that?
1: Well, some people.
2: Not us. We would never
3: both of our protagonists are victims of their family and circumstance they both inherited their roles and although they happily perform them are these roles really good ones without the need for corporate greed without the zero-sum game that capitalism forces on us the friction between our two characters never exists they are neighbors and fate or perhaps e-fate would have brought them together one way or another This is the villain at the heart of the story. It is the structure of our economic reality that forces people with similar interests and values to fight each other to the death, to consume constantly, and to never stop swimming lest you be caught by a bigger shark. And the victory of You've Got Mail is Joe Fox asking for forgiveness. It is a recognition that the way things work is not permanent, it is transient. The thing that is truly eternal is people finding love in unexpected places. The deepest irony of this movie is what makes it such a rich and timeless piece of art. It is the reason it is one of the great romantic comedies. The irony, of, the irony is this. Both of these people are business-minded and both are pursuing their own version of the American dream. The promise of opportunity in the U.S. is based on you becoming either Kathleen Kelly or Joe Fox by building a consumer product so enticing it launches you into immortality. Kathleen store played an important role in her small neighborhood for decades, while Fox Books seeks to conquer an entire sector of the entertainment industry. But both of these dreams are flawed, and they contradict and clash when they come in contact with each other. Instead, You've Got Mail proposes something else. So instead of craving, instead of caving to capital and selling your soul for cents, put aside the material and chase the soul-enriching pursuit of meaningful human connection. Put aside your economic identity and become the, become the world for someone else. Because businesses come and go, economies rise and fall like the tides. Nations, technology, institutions, these are all transient. But finding yourself in another person, that will happen over and over forever. Regardless of what tools we're using today, regardless of the current trends of individualism and nihilism, the pursuit of love is eternal. You've Got Mail shows us a cross section of time, but it focuses on the part that is present in any love story. That's why it stays relevant and stays powerful. Even when its time is past, new technologies have replaced the cutting edge, and new economic realities are replacing the juggernauts of the business, uh, but some things never change.
0: Yeah, I think that's really profound. I think uh, that's that's tough to argue with because, um, I mean, just listening to Tom Hanks speak earlier, talking about a world where they didn't own the two businesses, it just seems like they're so meant for each other, which is in such stark contrast to basically everything else we saw in this movie. I found myself rooting for them because i i love tom hanks and meg ryan is so approachable but not because i actually agreed with their circumstances especially right after i finished the film i was like nah nah. (laughs) she can't be with him (laughs) she can't be with him she he destroyed her business but i think that you're right if they can both see the their circumstances for what they are totally you know separated from who they are as individuals uh, like if they can separate their identity from from their businesses then why can't they be together right um so i think that yeah i you, you've won me over with that
2: yeah well, love thanks. is the only intangible thing that we can look to sometimes in the world it's so beautiful how it can't make sense in any other way other than your heart and i yeah. think that's what this movie really shows It's so nice, especially around Valentine's Day, to have that little reminder that the money and the status and the careers shrink in comparison to that connection that you can't explain. It's so nice.
0: That's beautiful. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to take it to break. But uh, don't go away because when we return, we'll talk about our cool Easter eggs and deliver our ratings. We'll be right back. Playoff time, baby. Game, snacks. I mean, what else can you ask for? Hey, pass me an
3: affable chat cola!
0: Ah, I mean, can you drink any louder? That's how I drink. Loud like that? I drink loud. I like to enjoy it. Toss me that bag of affable chat chips. Ugh, can you eat any louder? It's normal to eat loud. Drinking loud makes no sense.
3: Whoa, it's famous movie star Arnold Schwarzenegger. Cool. Guess what, guys?
0: I got tickets to the big game. Let's go. No way. The roads are too tough for us to get to the game. We're not going. I'm going to go grab some chips and drinks. Do not leave. Don't worry. I can get us to the game in my 2023 mid-sized luxury Affable Chat brand pickup truck. All right. Are you kidding me? Let me know if you can see me in the crowd on TV. Hey, I'm coming after you. After I finish eating these chips. To find out what happens next, visit affablechat.com. And we're back with Liesl and Jenny. We're talking about You've Got Mail. And we're going to go over some cool Easter eggs that I found on imdb.com. So the first one, the scene where Joe accidentally closes the door of Kathleen's shop on the balloons was unscripted. Tom Hanks actually did that and ad-libbed the line, good thing it wasn't the fish. (laughs) Nora Ephron thought it was so funny that she kept it in.
3: Well, that is pretty funny.
0: <laughs> so she was carrying
3: around that fish for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Tom Hanks is just an, uh, an American treasure. Yeah. Protect this man at all costs, and uh, like, whether it's first scripted or not.
3: Tom Hanks movie we've done for the podcast. It has to be. It has to be.
2: It makes us want to go in a Hanksathon. Yeah, a
3: Hanksathon. Yes. Which we're going to call Hank you next. Wait, I don't get it.
2: Are you just riffing off of "Thank You Next"?
3: Yeah, it's like "Thank You Next," "Thank You oh. Next," "Thank You." Show me the next Hank's movie. Don't mind no, there's, us. Th- th-
0: there's no way that we've done another Tom Hanks movie because Tim Heidecker in his stand-up comedy thing where he's doing a satire of terrible comedians he does an impression of tom hanks where the entire impression is just i'm tom hanks i'm tom hanks <laughs> and after watching this movie Liesl and i were running around the house going i'm tom hanks So, first time i've done that in in forever so there's no way we've done a tom hanks movie so we should we should he's great we should do more uh tom hanks movies Speaking of other Tom Hanks movies, actually, that's a great transition to the next Easter egg. So the casting of Dave Chappelle as Kevin, Joe's friend from, uh, and confidant at work, came about because four years previously, Chappelle was offered the role of Bubba in Forrest Gump, Hanks's big blockbuster, which became a worldwide phenomenon. Chappelle turned down the role of Bubba because he felt Force Gump would flop at the box office. Yikes. However, when it became a huge success worldwide and dominated the 1994 Oscars, Chappelle said he deeply regretted turning down the role of Bubba. Wow. Hanks, realizing this, promised to work with Chappelle on a future film. As a result, he suggested to director Nora Ephron he play the role of Kevin. Efron agreed, and Chappelle eagerly accepted the offer to work with Tom Hanks. So he finally All got right. his Bubba moment. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, not even close. Oh, man. I didn't even know his name was Kevin until I read this.
3: So it's... <laughs> <laughs> got him. He definitely says Kevin. I knew his name was Kevin. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Dave Chappelle. Uh, he should have taken some advice from Kevin about business, so he maybe he wouldn't be in this situation
0: i think dave spell's done all right but <laughs> definitely a, a big miss and finally my last uh, easter egg the location of fox books in the movie is the location of a real life barnes and noble at broadway and 83rd street on the upper west side The Barnes & Noble generated considerable neighborhood opposition when it opened in the early 1990s, as many feared it would drive a local bookseller, Shakespeare & Company, on 81st Street out of business. In 1996... They closed their doors with their two other locations remaining open. In 2018, they announced their return to the Upper West Side, opening a store on Broadway between West 69th and 70th Streets. Ironically, the big chain bookstores have been hammered by online retailers who offer even lower prices and greater convenience. Barnes & Noble's main competitor, Borders, went under in 2014. With the rollback on huge downtown stores, which have to pay extravagant fees for their leases, smaller bookstores are reappearing in key locations. So there's hope Uh. for the small bookstore yet. And also, uh, you know, we kind of covered this ground already, but... It's it's so true. It continues to echo throughout every other film that I watch. Qui Gon Jinn's wise words: "There's always a bigger fish." It's true. You know, Fox and sons is not safe from Amazon, and I'm sure there will be something else, maybe someday. Who knows? That Galactic Amazon, yeah, we will yes.
3: we'll descend upon our the Earth and take it over from right. from, from current Amazon. Um,
0: and Qui Gon Jinn will be like, "Told you." <laughs>
3: He's always saying that. <laughs>
2: Joey, maybe there's hope for your dream of having. I a know there store. is.
3: There is a there's still a market for for small bookstores.
2: That's uh, Joey's dream.
3: In Durham, North Carolina, is one of the biggest. Uh, like, there's a ton of small bookstores that are very successful. It's like the most successful city for small bookstores in the country. So, and it's because it's a college town. They need books. Kids need books. Yeah, everybody needs books. Folks
0: definitely still be reading. Uh, much <laughs> to my, book- my-, <laughs> I see
3: my bookshelf behind me wow. I can
0: see yeah and and <laughs> and it um it's something that surprises me in the landscape of you know six to 25 second content there are still tons of people who are really into uh books the Court of Thorns and Roses uh and the series outside of that um you know I know Liesl has been into and also a lot of other people we know and Beyond that, plenty of other book series. We've even done an episode on Affable Chat about... um, Or we've done multiple episodes on books. So Books? Books. Still be booking. So, that's the end of my cool Easter eggs. And that's going to bring us to the end of our discussion on You've Got Mail. As we do at the end of every episode of Affable Chat, we'll now deliver our ratings. And we'll start with our guests. Jenny, what rating do you want to give to You've Got Mail?
2: I give You've Got Mail five Brinkley the Dog wags. I love <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Liesl, what rating do you want to give this movie?
1: I'll give it uh, two Starbucks franchises owned by Hallmark movie characters named Chad and Brad. <laughs>
3: ah,
2: I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um <laughs> Kathleen ordered the drink that Jenny always gets at Starbucks. So, um what is it again?
2: Oh, you almost had it. Come on, you got
3: it. Uh, caramel macchiato. Here nice. It yes. I was like when she said that I, I, like, love I, that know, drink. I heard that one before. I know that one. <laughs> I was I was Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen.
0: Oh, nice. All right, Joey, what rating do you want to give this movie?
3: I give this movie a section of your local bookstore to get dedicated to movies.
0: Nice. <laughs> that'll get me in the door and finally my rating i give this movie a big valuable book no matter the price nice so there you go all of our ratings and that's it for you've got mail um i want to thank our guests uh, Jenny and Lisel for joining us on uh, this episode another episode both of you returning guests so thank you so much for, uh, for talking this out with us thanks,
2: thanks, for, thanks having for having us, us.
0: <laughs> and that's gonna do it for this episode so Joey what's next on Affable Chat
3: next we're doing the inferior insect based movie uh, Ants that's right the superior
0: inferior movie uh, <laughs> animated uh, movie about, about insects Insects and and specifically ants, but yeah, insects at large, uh, that came out uh, around the same time. So yeah, ants is up next on
3: Affable Chat.
1: Subscribe to Affable Chat on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: AffableChat.com is your new favorite website on the internet, where you can find the latest from us and all of our social accounts, including our Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all of which are at Affable Chat and even our email address, affablechat at gmail.com.
2: If you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is your brain is a microphone and your heart is a movie.
0: (laughs) That's going to do it for this episode for Affable Chat. I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.